What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Couple Things. With Sean and Andrew. A podcast all about couples. And the things they go through. Today we have probably one of our favorite interviews we have done. Yeah. With Richard and Linda Ayers. If you don't know the Ayers, they are legends in they this are. parenting <laughs> marriage space. They've written over 60 books on these topics. They've been all across the media. They were even on Oprah. You may you may be familiar with that name. Do you know uh, just, Oprah? Just a little. She's a little local news outlet. Yeah. But anyway, they've been doing this for years, and we have so much to learn from them. They've put so much thought into this, as you could probably uh, guess from all the books they've written. Um, and so we're really excited that they came in person and sat down with us. As parents of toddlers, we ask ourselves every day, how do we raise good humans? Tiny little humans that have a soul and have a heart and have values and morals. And Linda and Richard actually have an answer to that. Yeah, it's pretty amazing um, what they've done and what they've built. And they've kind of laid out this whole infrastructure on how to build a family economy. So we're talking about how can you teach your kids to be responsible with resources they've been giving. Uh, build a family government. So how do you enforce some type of discipline in the family structure? And then also building family traditions, uh, which is, you know, the things that I think as we grow up, we reflect on, we're nostalgic about. They're, they're kind of anchors in time and milestones that kind of give a family its unique identity and zooming out from that, doing all of those things while instilling values in the process. And I think forming this family infrastructure is important because it's really cool to think that Sean has unique talents, gifts, and abilities and confidence in certain areas of life, right? Like you were fortunate enough to stumble into gymnastics and feel really confident in that. And now you've transitioned to this other thing and feel really confident as an individual. But I think that's rooted in Having that, that individual confidence is rooted in having a strong family culture that's really clear, really explicit. Like, we know what we are about as Easts, right? That's what I want us to know about as a married couple. But I also want our, our kids to know what it means to be an East, just so they have a solid jumping off platform that... They'll, they'll tweak and morph into their own thing, but I think it's a good starting place for them as they form their own identities, you know? Anyway, we get into the weeds here. You might hear us reference a course uh, mm -hmm. along the way, and this is a program that Richard and Linda uh, sat down with us to help us build our family government economy and traditions through, and we wanted to share what we learned with you. Uh, and if you're interested in learning more about that, how you can build your family intentionally, then you can click the link below or go to familymade.com forward slash waitlist to, uh, to kind of get access to that. We're testing this out. We're really excited about this. Mm -hmm. And I think this is one of the most meaningful things we've done um, because I do think when, when you're as strategic with your family as you are in business or with your health and wellness, I think we can really make ripples across society. And all I can say is I was dumbfounded over and over and over again by what they had to say because I would have this question like, how do you teach respect? How do you teach courage? And they would be like, well, Sean, yeah. what age do you want to talk about? And I was like, how about a three-year-old? And they would say, here are three of the easiest little exercises you can do at home that will literally teach them the definition of respect. It was, yeah. they made everything seem so attainable. Yeah. It made me feel like as a parent, I can succeed with raising a tiny human. They've really done a good job in taking an ambiguous concept like respect or courage and figuring out how you can, uh, you know, have the rubber meet the road and having your child practice those things. So it's really great. It actually reminds me, my, my buddy is interviewing for a head coaching position 
And we've been putting together this playbook for his strategy when it comes to recruiting new players, strategy for like organizing practices and all this structure that he's going to bring to his team. And I feel like there's a lot of parallels to uh, what we're doing with this course with the Iyers mm-hmm. um, and building out a playbook for your family. So anyway, if you're interested, again, we'll link it down below. But Richard and Linda, thank you for taking the time to uh, spend a couple of days with us here mm-hmm. in Nashville. You've positively impacted us and our family, and I think you'll impact hundreds and thousands more. Uh, so if you're interested, check that link out. But without further ado, Richard and Linda Iyer. Wow, Richard, Linda. This Can I just start with a quick background here on these two? Yes, please. Because I am so excited and honored to be sitting with you three, really. You two, <laughs> this is the real treat. Uh, you two have written over 60 books. I know you have a couple in the making. New York Times bestseller. You've been on all the talk shows like Oprah, Today, you name it. You have nine kids yourself. We were just talking and looking at your Christmas card. You have how many people are in that Christmas card? Thanksgiving card. Oh, yeah, sorry. 57 people in the card. We're like, where did all these people come from? (laughs) (laughs) What does your, like, Christmas mantle look like? Do you do stockings for all these people? It's wild. Well, we've started going to the families at Christmas. We oh. gather at Thanksgiving usually, and in the summer we're always together. But it is wow. so no, but good point, Sean. That that's one thing about sending a Thanksgiving card. Then everyone sends you a Christmas card because they yeah. get it a month sooner, right? Oh, so that's like if you smart. want more Christmas cards, that's how you do. It. <laughs> I love Christmas cards. We actually started this thing where we get like a Charlie Brown tree. You know, just oh, like a crazy on. one, and we yeah. hang all the cards oh, on the tree. Cool. That's cool. Cute. Oh, yeah. that's so yeah. fun. We were. We were thinking about how it's so often online you hear people who are in the business world talk about like, hey, here are the three things I would have done if I was just starting on my career. But very rarely do you get wisdom from people who have been successful in parenting and family life. And when Sean and I were sitting down trying to think of authorities in the space, like it's kind of hard to delineate, you know, it's I, I, it's kind of an experience-based thing. And you guys definitely have the track record. Well, we wondered how you came resume. up with us. We wondered what your selection <laughs> process was. We just picked you out of a hat, randomly yeah, out right. of a hat. We thought, yeah, oh, they'll do it. They'll do it. Um, but your resume is like amazing, both from the amount of content you've put out on this topic. And I just can't imagine the all the thought that has gone behind each of those books, but also your experience in raising nine kids, which has led to then this generation of, of wonder. And so I'm excited and honored to like just hopefully unpack as much of that as we can. Well, you're so kind, Andrew, but I, I, I feel like I have to throw this in that there is no one size fits all in families. And what we what we're always really careful of, and Linda's especially good at this, is not saying this is how you do it and you follow A, B, and C because every single family is different, every kid is different, every situation is different. What we've found people get the most help from is just ideas and and they and we encourage them be discerning pick the thing that'll work for you and i'll tell you the other thing they like they like to hear about our failures they like mm-hmm. to hear about our problems they don't they don't the last thing anyone <laughs> wants is some perfect family oh boy and and that's what you get all the time now on yep. social media right everyone's comparing themselves with other people and that's just no good. I mean, you just, you, you're the ex. You're, no one else is an expert on your kids but you. Yeah. yeah. Well, the fun part for us being with you is that we do have 
nine kids, five sons, four daughters, all ours genetically, no twins, just to get all the questions out of the way. <laughs> but um, our youngest couple are about your age. And you know what I just found out? Our youngest grandson is one day older yeah. than Jet. Than oh, Jet, really? our son. One Isn't day. that amazing? Oh, so we, we're still going. We're still going. It's, it's wild. <laughs> but that is, it's so fun to be in touch with this generation. And we know a little bit about it because we have kids rage. But um, it is really a thrill to be able to really reach your audience. Well, and the thing about what we do, and you guys know this, um, you learn when you're out teaching and speaking to parents or on book tours and talking about, you end up learning more than you teach mm -hmm. because you're with parents all the time and they're telling you things and they're bringing up their issues and they're also saying, here's what I did. And you're realizing, wow, there are so many good ideas in this world. And we begin to see ourselves largely as a filter, largely as just a someone that learns from others, puts it together, tries to conceptualize it, puts it in a book, and tries to get it out to people. That's why we're grateful for you guys. You help us reach a whole audience we wouldn't get to otherwise. I think, to answer your question too, going back of why you guys, um, we've been in contact for a while now with right. your family is. How many Zoom calls have we? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a few. So yeah. fun. And One <laughs> with you in the back seat. Oh, feeding uh, both of oh my gosh. <laughs> that was our that first was call. I was, was kind of in a dark place there because it was not an easy car ride. <laughs> and so Andrew's <laughs> like, we got to take a Zoom call. I was like, I don't know how this is going to work. Uh, but I have so did. been it there did. so many times. But with you guys, I think... Because we've been in contact and we have so much respect for you guys and everything that you've put out into the world as far as content, we are also looking at one of our favorite interviews we have ever done on Couple Things. It was another, it was, remind me the name, it was the guy who had written the book. Carl where, Pillimer. Yes, where he had interviewed thousands of couples yeah. and gotten the wisdom of each one. And I think we got from that interview more takeaways within our relationship than any interview we've done. And with you guys, it's very similar. You've you've had so much experience. You've been around so many parents. You've related to people all over the world. And you've taken out of it the greatest lessons in parenting. And as new parents, I just want to sit here and go through my laundry list of like, <laughs> how do I not raise my kid to be, you know, an axe murderer? How do I make them a good person? Just all of these things. Which is a good place to start. I think just to draw our line in the sand so people can say, oh, that's what I want or that's not what I want at all. How do you collectively define a successful family, yeah, a what successful a, marriage? What a question, yeah. Mm -hmm. Again, you got to be careful not to start getting cookie-cutter, sort of one-size-fits-all. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of different kinds of good families. But I will tell you something interesting, and, and you may think this is going the opposite direction of what you were just talking about, Sean, where you want to collect from everyone, but, but everyone wants to know, yeah, I know, I know it's complicated. I know there's, but if you could just do one thing, what mm -hmm. would it be? I mean, what is the mm -hmm. magic key? What is the place to start? And we were off camera a minute ago and offline talking about the difference between an offense and a defense. Mm -hmm. And what's so interesting to me and to Linda about parenting is that it is so often a defensive proposition. It's so often reactive rather than proactive. It's like, well, if I have this problem, how do I solve it? Or if Johnny does this, how do I, you know, react? And it, it, reaction, as you both know as athletes, is no fun. I would rather play offense any mm -hmm. day. 
And so our answer when people say, what is the key? Or they'll say, well, how do I discipline my kids? Or how do I do that? And we're like, that's reactive. How about we start with an infrastructure? How about we start with saying, what are the three things that every successful family has? I don't care whether you're in India Mm -hmm. or whether you're in Vietnam or whether you're in Tennessee. They all have three things. They all have some kind of a behavioral code or some set of rules or some set of laws or something their kids are expected to do. They all have a set of traditions and mm-hmm. rituals, and that might be the most important one. That's the glue that holds family together. That's what makes and they're it fun. different yeah. for different families, but they've all got them, and they're strong. And then the third one is some kind of an economy or some way to share responsibility so kids know what's expected of them. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we wrote a book called Three Steps to a Strong Family. It's funny because Stephen Covey's kind of been our mentor all, as we were growing up and everything. And, of course, the nine habits of seven habits of highly. Seven. Seven. Right. And, and we went right. to Stephen and we said, Stephen, seven, <laughs> seven's, seven's too many. You know, look at our book, three. We got it down to three. Three <laughs> steps to a strong family. But but I really do think it's, it's about having a strategy. It's about having yeah. a plan, having, having a, a plan. goal. That you sit and rather than just letting it work out together, I think probably one of our most important things is that we did have a little couple meeting every Sunday, Hmm. and we worked out our strategy. I mean, the first of the year we worked out a lot of things, but then weekly, like, how are we doing? What what should we do now? I mean, this isn't working like we thought, but but the basic things were there. We just kept saying, let's just keep going. Let's keep going on these basic things that are. But you're, that's a great point, Linda. It's dynamic. You're always, you don't have a plan. And then from then on, all you got to do is implement it. You tweak it every week because you have things happen. And what do we do about this and so on? And I think that's the, the beauty of parenting is you never know. I mean, you think of each of your kids I'm sure you guys think of Drew and Jet. They're like little puzzles. You don't. You're you're, you're finding the pieces, but you don't quite know them yet. Yeah. And it's like figuring out who they are. Who yeah. are these little people? You know. Yeah. And also, also, you have to realize that it's never going to go perfect, and that you're never going to be perfect. Yeah. When I had all nine of those kids home, I wrote a book <laughs> called "I Didn't Plan to Be a Witch." because <laughs> I, I didn't you don't plan it but yeah. my gosh it just happens they just drive you to the edge and just i cannot sometimes you imagine fall her. over oh just I ask can. my kids oh you should see her oh, with her well. hat on her witch hat oh, you know? and by the way that's linda's best-selling book and it offers not one iota of advice or prescription yeah. it's just here's all the things that happened to me and people are like oh yes i want to read this it makes me feel like i've done so bad well i think that's the hardest part of parenting is like you read all of these how to's and it's oh your kids are going to be the perfect children if you just show them what perfection looks like and you act a certain way and so as parents all i want to hear is it's not they're not too far gone for us to like fix it (laughs) and i'm not too bad to me like to still get something out of them and it's relatable because yeah I've really had to is. have a conversation with my three-year-old already where I'm like, I'm sorry. That was mommy's fault. That oh, was good not for your you. fault. You know, I'm sorry is the very best thing you can say oh. to your kids because they start saying I'm sorry back to you. And I don't know if she's old enough to do that yet or she not. She has. Yeah. I've left notes on their pillows. And oh. then once in a while I find a note on my pillow like, sorry, oh. mom. I just, you know. But it, you know, we aren't perfect. Yeah. It's just, and kid raising kids is the hardest job in the world. But mm-hmm. also... 
the most joyful job in the world. Oh, and then yes. I, I did get far enough along that I wrote a joyful mother of children. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That was the progression <laughs> from which yeah. to joy. Uh, I will say too, sorry, real quick. The, I mean, again, we only have a three-year-old and a one-year-old at the moment, but our three-year-old has started to like notice things too, just in conversations about being sorry or yeah, happy. Yeah. And she said to me the other day, she goes, mommy, are you angry? And I was like, how interesting for a three-year-old. Yeah, how interesting for a three-year-old. And I was like, I I tried telling her no, but then I was like, she can obviously see that I'm not very happy. Yeah. And it's It's okay to be angry. Just apologize afterwards. You know, Linda, it's funny what you said. I think Linda's favorite answer or most, the one people love the most when they'll ask Linda, why does my child do this? What can I? Mm -hmm. And, And Linda will say, don't worry about it. It's a phase. It's a phase. You'll come out in there. They're like, really? Oh, good. Fine. I don't have to do anything. (laughs) And what a hopeful perspective, though. Like the fact that one, you came to terms with like, hey, I'm kind of a witch, right? But then then it it parlayed into the joy. And that's a that's a kind of a philosophy that we've come across as we've interviewed these couples about their marriages their parenting experience is like. You kind of have to walk through the valley yes. to get to the peak. And like you just keep on treading, you keep on putting your best foot forward and ultimately it will like blossom into this wonderful thing. And I yeah. feel like it's yeah. it's like getting it through getting through that valley is something that people lose hope in and they they, they can't see the other side. They're clouded by the current situations, right. but man, it's amazing. That's why I'm so thankful for the for the on top of the books that you have, you also have like the course uh that we're working to put together for uh, equipping families with those three things that you mentioned and a fourth being values so that they can have like a toolkit to navigate the problems with and hope to see the other side. Well, and just a couple of things before they slip from what you're saying. It's so interesting, Andrew, that parents, they know what they want, but they don't have words for it a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And when, when, when we wrote the book, teaching your children values, and we get a call one night, and it's Oprah's senior producer, and I think it's a friend playing a trick on yeah. me. I'm like, sure, <laughs> who are you really? It turns out it's really her, and we get on there, and it's an, it's an hour long with Oprah, and all she's doing is promoting the book, holding it up. You need to teach one value a month and so on. And, and she said the most interesting thing in her intro. She said, you know, what's great about this book is it doesn't have chapters. It has months. And the idea that all you have to work on is one thing each month. Mm-hmm. And so many parents are so confused and they're trying to do so many things and they're so overwhelmed with all the how-to stuff. No, no, just do, just focus on respect this month. And next month, just focus on honesty. And she was like our best saleswoman because wow. she said, I could do that. You could do that. Mm-hmm. This will work for you, you know. And we just sort of smiled and... <laughs> Went and looked at the bestseller book the next week, and it was number one. Uh. I think, too, the refreshing part of that, as a new parent ourselves, is I get so overwhelmed with they need to walk at a certain age, they need to read at a certain age. Yes, the norms. They need to not hit, and none of that actually matters. The things that matter are what you're teaching in your book. and Those are the hardest things to actually comprehend as a parent, though, because it's like, how do I teach them? how to be honest and how do I teach them how to like, how do you teach values to a kid, which is what you guys navigate through. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the funny thing, Sean, is when we were working on that particular book, the publisher, um, Simon Schuster was like, wait, 
we're a little worried about this because whose values are these going to be? I yeah. mean, don't people have different values? So we did a lot of research and a lot of surveying and so on. It turns out parents have exactly the same values in terms of what they want. They're, and they're basic. They're mm -hmm. universal. They don't have to be convinced that those are good values. Their whole question is, but how do I teach it? Mm -hmm. How do I? So all that book is is methods, one after the other after the other, and each one has a preface. These will not all work for you. Mm -hmm. Look down the list, pick the ones that you think will work for your kids. Well, and actually it's in three different sections, how to teach to preschools, how to teach this yeah. to yeah. Oh, um, amazing. You know, School-age kids and how to do with teenagers. And that's been really helpful because it is totally different. We've got ideas for like three-year-olds, mm -hmm. but it's different. It's not going to work with a 17-year-old. Right. So. And oh not to gosh. give all the secrets away, but what are the values that you teach? Well, it starts with honesty is the first one, and then it goes to courage and then respect and then self-reliance and self-discipline. I'm not going to make it through all of them, yeah. but you get the idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So it's just ones that every every parent wants to teach, and and with yeah. a big over umbrella of love. I mean, mm -hmm. there we try to teach our kids there is nothing you can do to make me quit loving you. Mm -hmm. I mean, even if I am so mad at you, I love you passionately, and they mm -hmm. need to know that no matter what. And so our our family motto has become love more, just love more, not more love, but love mm -hmm. more, love more, love more. And I think kids just just blossom in love no matter what even when you're angry they know that you love we watch we've watched like literally millions of parents all over the world try to implement this book now and what's so fascinating is the best methods are not always the ones in the book because it's like okay it's january we're working on honesty this month and a lot of families have a banner in their family room or their kitchen the, the you know the east family value of the month is honesty and then everything becomes a method. You know, something happens at school or you see something on TV or a neighbor comes by and you're like, wait, was that honest? And, and the life becomes your teaching method. And what do you think you do after the year is over and you've gone through all 12 values? You start over because mm -hmm. now Drew is four instead of three mm -hmm. and she learns it on a whole new level. And imagine the legacy when Drew is... 18 and heads out to Vanderbilt or wherever. That's right, go doors. <laughs> <laughs> then she's been through these values each year on a different level, and that's the legacy you sent her away with. Is she she has those values. And it, it kind of plays into the idea of confirmation bias where it's like, hey, look, we all know universally that it's nice to be honest. Like, it's important to be honest. But right. t focusing on that. Mm -hmm and making that uh, a core practice in the family, yeah, yeah. identify. It's like when you buy a yellow car, you see a bunch of more exactly. yellow yeah. cards. It's yeah. like, okay, we're going to talk about good. honesty, and now you're able to see what honesty looks like and what it doesn't Ooh, look like. That's so good. That's yeah, so but. good because everything, every little TV show, everything that happens, you go to a movie, there's something to talk about afterwards. 100%. Was that honest, and how did that work out? Yeah. And it, it so, just really yeah. is fun to have. And it becomes part of their vocabulary, right? I mean, kids can talk about video games and about all kinds of things. Can they, do they have, are they equipped in their minds to think about and talk about values? Yeah. We can make it, so. In <laughs> putting so together, I have so many like questions. You know when to defer. <laughs> you know. um, in putting together all of your concepts, all of your books that are specific to parenting, what's the biggest lesson that you've learned about your relationship as parents informing 
relationship with each other? Mm-hmm. With each other. Oh, yeah. boy. What a great question. Because, <laughs> see, we, we've written like a couple of dozen books on parenting. We've written one on marriage. <laughs> And it's a fairly new one. I mean, we right just barely did it. We ought to spend a whole, we ought to do a whole show on that book. But, yeah. but why, why, people say, well, why, why did you wait so long? And it's like, because we didn't feel like we were really too good at it. <laughs> yeah. wow. And even then we ended up writing on the myths of marriage, like the things that aren't yeah. true. You know, it was easier to write about the not true ones than the true ones. But, but to your point, Sean, here, and I'm just going to say this, and, and it'll sound a little like a blanket statement. Maybe people will disagree. In our experience, every single time that a marriage relationship improves, the parenting improves. Mm-hmm. It is not true backwards from that. We see a lot of couples who are really good parents. They're working hard at it, but their marriage is falling apart. And, and the good parenting doesn't necessarily translate into a good marriage. The marriage always translates into better parenting. Wow. And you can see why. Mm-hmm. You're a team now. You're mm-hmm. talking about things. You're brainstorming. You notice something about Drew that Andrew's never thought of. And he, and he says, you're right. And, and it just parlays. There's synergy in it, right? Well, I, I do have to say that we, we really have to have a meeting on Sunday because there's so much stuff going on at our house that, you know, we just don't have time to talk about. And, ooh, man, that was stupid that he said Linda that. It keeps a little yeah. list. You know, she um, brings it out no, on I Sunday. No, I do not. <laughs> but, but I do, we saw your couple things on mm. your argument day. And yeah. I've told Andrew this, but <laughs> honestly, my favorite one. Oh, we are yeah, you exactly me, the same way. It is just Sometimes hilarious. the only way so we get over an argument is to do a podcast. Yeah. And then we feel so much better afterwards. <laughs> no, but I mean, we really disagree on every, the way we do everything. We yeah. do everything so differently. Um, I won't go into detail, but it really is. <laughs> but I've come to be so grateful for that. What could be worse than having a spouse who was sort of a clone of you? Wouldn't that yeah. be awful? Yeah. <laughs> be so well, boring it used to be yeah. though that we would explode yeah <clears throat> i would explode mm-hmm. <laughs> all at once but now i just kind of save it until sunday and then you know i kind of use the sandwich approach you know like honey you're so good at you know taking the garbage out and taking care of the kids and night stories and everything but i have to tell you something you really hurt my feelings this week when you said da, 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 da. and sometimes and like, i can't wait to sunday, but but i do just try to <laughs> keep it to one one conversation if possible, but <laughs> we really do disagree on everything. So mm-hmm. really talking it through, I mean, and that's part of, of the dynamic that we like because I do things differently. He does different things. Oh, we got the worst. I have, I'm sorry. The, <coughs> the guy that ma- performed our marriage <laughs> gave us the worst advice. At the, time, <laughs> at the time we thought it was so good and you've heard it. It was, it was a cliche. It's like, Richard and Linda, never let the sun set on a disagreement. Uh-huh. Do not go to bed mad, you know. Like, we got no sleep the first three months <laughs> of our marriage. We're like, we're the sun's coming up, and we're like, we can't go to sleep yet. You know? And, and we just sort of modified it to say, never let the weekend without resolving. So we with push them back seven to days. Sunday, and we'll have our Sunday session. We'll work it all out. Yeah. You know? Honestly, we talked to some uh, marriage counselors, and they say being hang, uh, hungry, angry, lonely, or tired yeah. always leads to anger. And that's yeah. where all of our arguments yeah. come and from. I'm like, sometimes yeah. I'm like, Sean, I know we're in the middle of the argument right now, but let's just go to bed. Please, yeah. can yeah. we just yeah. we'll so wake up? And it's like, I'm so yeah. The best, though, is like, I feel like you'll enjoy this, is when we're in the heat of an argument, 
and it's usually caused because we're hungry or something. Yeah. And yeah. Andrew will be like, can I make you a sandwich? <laughs> and I it just it. lights I a fire it. under me. I'm like, yeah, never, I am not hungry. Well. That's not the <laughs> reason I'm mad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then you look back later and say, oh, yeah, I was, was totally hungry. hungry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so true. It's so fun. I, I think about um, the, the fun thing about what we do is we hear feedback on a daily basis from couples who like, like there's phases. Sean and I will go like two weeks and it's just kind of can't see yeah. eye to eye. Yeah. But we'll share stories like that that podcast of us being in an argument, which is, I mean, that's that story has happened, I don't know, a hundred oh, yeah. times in our, in our seven years of marriage. Exactly. Yeah. But we'll hear, and someone's like, hey, I've never been able to vocalize mm-hmm. this. And hearing your story, like we were listening that's to your podcast right, together, right, right. and we just burst out laughing. Yeah, yeah. that's And great. it's like, it's so fun. And that's what's so encouraging with you sharing all that you have. It's like sometimes it feels like, I am the only husband yeah. in the world that deals with a right, wife who exactly. wants a clean kitchen. And it's like, I'm lonely. Uh, no. and who wants a clean kitchen? Was and that? It, <laughs> and it's like, and you Kinda feel. slurred over that, yeah. didn't you? <laughs> yeah. You feel isolated and lonely, and that never leads to good things. Yeah. And yeah. so, like, th- this idea of kind of sharing these conversations and uh, with a message of, like, hey, that's normal. It's a tale as old as time. Like, yeah. you know, a wife giving the husband a hard time. Right. And not vice versa. But. Well, and you, you guys know, and I don't want this to sound preachy at all, believe me, but what gets you through those hard times is your commitment, mm-hmm. right? You know, no matter how bad it gets today or tomorrow or next week, we're, we're committed. Mm-hmm. And that's why I really, you know, the, the one of the biggest flaws in our society right now. What does right that now, mean to you? Sorry. What well, does commitment I, mean to you? Let me I'll tell you through this story. We, we <laughs> run into a lot of people who say, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to, we're testing this out. And if we find that we really are compatible for a few years, we'll probably make a commitment. And I'm like, you know, again, this is not a religious comment or a philosophical comment. The fact is you won't get through those next few years if you don't have a commitment. Mm -hmm. Because you'll say, oh, it's not working, you know. It's confirmation bias is what we were just talking about. Exactly. Like, hey, I'm committed, so I'm yeah. going to stay here. As I'm opposed to like, oh, I'm not committed, and I see. Un- exactly. I see we'll work it out. It may take a while, but there's never any question mm-hmm. we'll work it out. That's yeah. been something that I've noticed with some of my close, close friends with engagement. Yeah. And <clears throat> I've had some friends who are like, we're going to just be engaged for a few years before we actually yeah. do this. Yeah. And I've told them, I was like, nothing good happens because every day that goes by, you're like, is this actually the right person for me? You're asking the question over and over and and over. constantly have that exit in your mind. I agree. Whereas don't be engaged longer than a few months and just do it. Because if you wanted to propose to that person, that person is, you can make it work. Yeah. If you want to maximize your chance of it lasting, make the commitment. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes I think I've found that the things that bother me the most about <laughs> Richard are <laughs> also the things that I love the most. Oh, man. You know, it really is true. I mean, he is just gung-ho, go, go, mm-hmm. go all the time. And I'm like, oh, let's just take a breath here. But that is what I love yeah. about him. Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes you have to say, okay, and it's not me, but that's what I love about him. We oh. were wow. testing out different marriage counselors last year, this year, this year, and we did a session with one and she kind of just bounced back and forth for a while and she ended up coming to that conclusion. She's like, it's funny. 
It's like I asked you guys to tell me why you got married and why you fell in love with each other. All Interesting. These. And then we go on to like what's bothering you. And she said, it's funny that the things you married each other for are the things that are yes. like That's what so you're annoyed true. by because you're yeah. trying to change them into yourself now. And it was funny for us to take a step back and be like, let's. Oh, so Andrew's so such a free spirit. And then seven years later, he never schedules anything. So I had this big epiphany. I can't remember just how old I was, but we weren't too far into our marriage. And I, and I said it to Linda. I didn't think about how to say it. And it came out so funny. I said, Linda, I've been, I've had this sort of feeling that's just, I, I've realized something. And she said, what? I said, I, I would, you're going to laugh, but I would not change one single little thing about you. And she's like, oh, yeah, right. I <laughs> yeah. can list all. No, I said, no, here's my point. You're a complex, wonderful, beautiful individual. And if I tweaked some little thing, if I if I had the power to say I'm going to change Linda in this way, that would set off a chain reaction that would change the very things I love most about you. I would not mess with it. I wouldn't dare. I love you and that's all of you. Mm-hmm. And, and I love the John that. Legend song, right? All, I know. And I, I love that he does that. So when we're in argument now, I was like, would you change me? That shuts it down pretty fast. Yeah. <laughs> I do have a question, though. As you reflect back over how you've parented, how you've done marriage now with grandparenting, yeah. is there anything that you that you would change, like, uh, from a decision standpoint or man, I wish we did this earlier or Great I wish we didn't question. do that at all. Great. I wish we had realized earlier that it was an offense and not a defense. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a strategy. We, we went through the first several years. What do we do now? What do we do now? We got the problem. How do we solve it? And it was all about reacting. Well, Josh is this way. How do we get him over this? Or is, mm-hmm. is this kid on the spectrum? Let's go to a doctor. I mean, we're just always trying to react to what the issues were and I think our breakthrough was when, you know, and this is the advantage of, I, I hate to admit this, but we write our best books when we're in the thick of the problem we're addressing. Mm-hmm. It's not looking back on how we solved it mm-hmm. 10 years ago. It's struggling through it and trying to write about it. And I think our breakthrough was when we thought, hey, we need a strategy. We need some goals. Let's set them. We won't always make them every day but at least we'll have a track to run on. Gosh. So when our, even our little preschoolers, when they were your age, like, oh, we need some rules here. We decided to call it laws instead Mm -hmm. of rules, but it really was fun because we engaged them Mm -hmm. in the process at a little family meeting. We have a family meeting every week. And okay, today we're going to come up with what do you think the family rules should be? And it was so funny because our the, oldest kids were like about four. I think Sharon I think was four. Three, yeah, Johnny three and a half, two, and two so or something like, about like that. A year that, that same age. Wow. So you know, our oldest daughter's like, I know, never hit other little girls because it was only a sister that was involved. So, oh, that's good. Let's write that down. And then hmm. the other one, oh, the two-year-old said. Never plug in plugs because we caught her going with a fork to an outlet the night before, you know. We so, had, we, I, mean, I was writing them could, on a chalkboard, and we got up to what, about <laughs> We got up to about 25. 25 laws, and they were all silly little yeah. things. And then know. we thought, wait a minute, oh. we need to just really yeah. condense this and take what they said, but make this into just yeah. five little rules that they all know what they are, and then they know what the consequences are. So laying that, mm-hmm. actually, I think that foundation has helped all the way through and we tweaked it a little bit as we went through, but they knew what 
what the rule was and they knew what the consequences were for breaking the rule. Wow. And that just making that clear plan mm-hmm. of this is how we're going to do it, I think really made I a big that. difference. Yeah. yeah. Because <laughs> I, I love, I, we're noticing it now with our three-year-old, they're such little sponges and it's kind of yes. terrifying. Yeah. Oh. Yes. But even now with our one-year-old son, things that we've taught Drew over the past three years, he'll do something and she'll be like, mommy, he can't hit or he can't grab or he can't whatever and it's like oh yeah i i forgot that's that's the rule we taught (laughs) you yeah yeah. you can't do that yeah so it it keeps you accountable and it keeps them accountable which is yeah it really does you know you sort of it's a funny word to use but we're all trying to sort of institutionalize our families in the sense that we want them to be lasting and sort Mm -hmm. of permanent and and to give identity to our kids so that their main culture is not the peer culture or the social media culture or the celebrity culture. They have a culture at home, and it's got these rules, and it's got traditions. And by the way, the tradition one, oh, man, we cannot overemphasize that. It's, kids get away from home, and then you start realizing <clears throat> they what they miss is those little things you always did, those little rituals. And some of them, you like, why would that matter? But kids are just drawn to those. Can I tell you a real quick story? Mm-hmm. Like my my tradition, we had a birthday tradition for each of us. This will make me cry. Mm. Mine is in October, and and the kids are let's go jump in leaves. We we like you know we'll rake them up, we'll bury each other in them, we'll we'll do all this fun stuff. And we thought, well, that's a great fun tradition for little teeny kids. They'll mm-hmm. outgrow that. Hey, you kids will not let you outgrow. Now they're in high school. We got to go to the park. There's bigger. We got to jump out of trees into the leaves. We've got to invite our friends. Will you bring cocoa, mom? And you know it just grows oh. and grows. And then here's the point. One one this is a funny year. We our two oldest left the same year. The the son went away to college for his freshman year, and the the daughter who was a little older. Uh, was in Bulgaria working in a an orphanage doing humanitarian work, and I'm. My birthday's here, and I'm missing him and think it's my first day without him. I go to the mailbox, and there's two cards. I'm like, they remembered my birthday. I can't wait to see these cards. And I go in and I open the daughter's first, and it's not a card. It's a leaf. And the leaf oh. falls out, and it's got a little Post-it note on it. <laughs> this is, And I, I remember exactly what I can see it in my mind. It said, Dear Dad, this is a Bulgarian leaf. The orphans helped me honor your tradition. Oh. And then the last line. Dad, just because I'm far away, don't forget I'm still part of our family. And that at that moment, I realized these little things we do, it could mm-hmm. be how you put the ornaments on the Christmas tree. It could be what you do on Easter. It could be what you do on Sundays. That becomes their identity. Mm-hmm. And by the way, the end of the story is funny because I'm, I opened the sun's and it's a leaf too. There's no note or anything. I mean, he's just a boy. He's, <laughs> he's like, a I'll, I'll send, down, a I'll send <laughs> yeah. down a leaf. He'll know what it means. Yeah. You know. And, uh, wow. Anyway, that's so powerful. Those little things. Mm-hmm. That's that's why I wanted to have this conversation. I wanted to have you in town. It's that it's that type of story. I'm literally as you're telling that story. I'm just thinking of all the things mm-hmm. my parents did yeah. to me. The little yeah, yeah. the little habits we had. The routines we had. You the rhythms. Tell them the craziest one. That we do. Uh, every yeah, I want to hear. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I don't condone this to anybody listening. Don't do this. <laughs> don't follow this example. I will, but like, I, let me say this first. It's, you know, we, we believe in like the body of Christ, right? Where everyone has unique strengths and, yeah, and talents so love it. and weaknesses. And it's like, I when you can identify that and and 
really celebrate it and uplift it, that's what makes it fun. And like, you're really onto something at that point. And I don't want that point to be overlooked because I mean, think about how amazing it would be if we had families who all, instead of just kind of stumbling through life, as it's so easy to do when you're parenting, you're yeah. going, you're in survival yeah. mode. It's like, yeah. Let's be intentional, yeah. and it doesn't take much time. It's like, yeah. right. let's have a 10-minute meeting every Sunday. Exactly. Yeah. And let's just, like, do that from the start so that we can build a family identity and, like, bring out each other's strengths and celebrate those strengths and, like, laugh at each other's weaknesses is what at least my family does. Sure. I just think it's the, um, the most amazing thing. Now to our wild family tradition. <laughs> Thanksgiving. Every Thanksgiving, which is coming up. Oh, yeah. yeah. We're about to do this next week. My dad uh, found it so awesome that on thanksgiving there's nobody out on the road because everyone's already oh, gotten yeah. to their destination yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he started a tradition where we would try to find the largest road we could including highways mm-hmm. or and, interstates and lay down before. on the road together <gasps> in the middle of it to show how peaceful we start <laughs> we start a clock and it's always like uh it's always like all right we made it two minutes on i-65 yeah. <laughs> But and it's like wow, there's nobody on the road listening to yeah. see the car. Now we're like we have, we have nine grandkids in, and they're all like itty bitties. <laughs> we have family in Tijuana and San Diego, and now Nashville. Oh wow! And every Thanksgiving, if we're not together, we get pictures from all over the country of people laying in the middle of the road. Oh my! And it's my just God. like, God. and we'll that do it. We'll take so our babies awesome. out there. And we oh go sprinting. Yeah, we don't do it on the highway. We'll do it on like the driveway or whatever. But like, these, oh, are, the stories sure that, the these are the stories that like give <laughs> us. That is oh what, my gosh. What is wonderful about the glue yeah. that holds you together forever. I mean, oh it really the is. The crazier, the better though. Yeah, you know? It makes you, it makes you feel like you're included in something that is so special. Yes. It's a culture. It is. It's a culture. It is. We, we ended up, we, we, we lived in England for a few years and we found this old, beautiful, like a ledger book, but it's leather, you know, and big and we decided to call it our tradition book so in it every month every spread is a different month what are the traditions this month and the little kids like about mm-hmm. drew's age and, and a little older would illustrate that tradition mm-hmm. so there's like this picture of us jumping in the leaves or this picture of this other thing and then you get the anticipation it's mm-hmm. like oh it's almost december what mm-hmm. are what are our traditions and they all i like how you said it andrew it's like you you create this thing where they are part of it and they know they always will be and no matter where life takes them home will always be home that's that's all we can all that's all we could ever want i absolutely love that crazy story we thought we were crazy i mean we have another one where we have we floated the cake on this little girl's birthday i mean by on a stream or wherever or the swimming Uh pool or wherever and still i mean we when they've been gone for a long time they send a picture of, I floated a cupcake in the bathtub for you today. Aww. I mean, you know, it just goes on and on and on. It's they won't a, let you stop. Yeah. We're in it England one so year, fun. they want to float the cake in a moat that goes around <laughs> this castle, so we do. We were there in England one time. Anyway, wow. just thank you for that, because that's the craziest I've ever heard. Yeah, that. <laughs> I also love that you said you have a ledger, because I was literally thinking, as you said this, we do New Year's goals and resolutions every year yeah. that I want to write down now. Every tradition we want to like implement or keep. And well, and that's keep I adding th- to it. I'm trying to think about like traditions versus just an activity. And like there is some you feel compelled to like uphold the tradition. Like once you as a kid, at least this tradition was like, all right, we got to go lay on the street and Thanksgiving. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then it becomes <laughs> like we like it or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I first married into the family, I was like, 
are we doing? <laughs> but then it becomes a thing of like, oh, well, I have to do it because we've been doing it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's I think it's so important in a society where it's like, hey, uh, let's just lay on the couch and watch Netflix mm-hmm. or let's just like, right. no, let's not do anything. And when when an activity becomes a tradition, right. we all want activities to do. We're just kind of like waiting for a leader or a reason to do the activity. Right. I feel right. like at least right. that's how I feel. And so having, I'm so thankful that we had traditions that kind of like got us off the couch, got us turning off Netflix yes. and it was like, yes. okay, we got to go rake the pile of leaves today. Mm-hmm. or do whatever so it's and anyway. the tactile part of it like the big ledger or something on the wall i mean we we tend to put everything on our computers and the problem is no one sees them you know yeah. they're in there they're somewhere but you know we would set goals with our school year goals i mean it'll be this way for you guys the new year's not january 1st it's september yeah. it's when school starts now we're planning the year and we found that if our kids just wrote a little thing what's your goals and they'd put down a few things and they'd lose it but we'd get these foam core boards for them and they'd make it on there and then they'd, they'd do something. They'd decorate it and go on the wall between their pictures of the basketball stars and the rock stars and that's their goals. They see it every day, you know, and that became such a tradition. And it's back to your point, Andrew. Anything that makes the family feel like something more than this casual group of people. Yeah, it's so sad. So many families are just not in contact with mm-hmm. each other. I mean, brothers and sisters haven't talked to each other for years. I mean, adults. And, oh, it's just so sad. And so They need to go lay in the road together. They, they just feel need to, learn to go lay yeah. in the yeah. road. It's like a team. Like Who, who thought of yeah. that? Who thought of that? <laughs> My dad. My dad yeah. is. Uh, like, I love I think him dad. and Rich would get along quite <laughs> I a lot, do, too. I want to meet him. <laughs> but, but there is group bonding. I, I'm sure we could pull studies about the psychology of this. But, like, when I played football... Like the, we would do four AM workouts, yes, mm-hmm. which was miserable. Uh, but you bond yeah. through those things, yeah. and like that's that's when I talk to my brother, just like God, I can't believe we're gonna lay in the street again today. Yeah. But it's like you know, you might be whining about it, but it's kind of joking, and it's like, right. but it is the it is the glue. It's the thing that you're like, totally, you're like tr- uh, warriors together in it. But anyway, well, and that what that leads into is the idea of sharing responsibility too. We, um, we speak a lot to. Uh, business groups and entrepreneurs and so on. And they're people who have a fair amount of financial acumen, but it's astounding how they don't apply it in their own families. Like they think, Hey, I'll just give Johnny 20 bucks every week and that'll be his allowance. And that'll teach him how to use money. Mm -hmm. That teaches him the welfare system. Somebody Mm -hmm. just handed you money, you know, how about some simple, I mean, it sounds really old school, right? Chores, you know, things you're supposed to do. But it gets back to what you were saying, Andrew. People who participate, who have ownership in the family, who do some mm-hmm. of the work, mm-hmm. are they, they feel like part of the family. They're not these little princesses who waltz in and people wait on them all the time. They have some roles to play. And somehow what you give them for their spending money relates to what they did. Mm -hmm. You're not paying them to do things they should do anyway because they're part of a family. They should just do it. But there's some, you know, if if the maid doesn't clean this room, maybe one of the kids could or something. So they actually feel I earned this money Mm -hmm. and I helped around the, the home. And now when I buy a shirt with this, I'll actually hang it up instead of throwing it on the floor because I bought it with the money that I earn. I mean, these are such basic principles, but a lot of times we just, we say, oh, well, uh, the family is different. No, the family is like 
the real world, mm-hmm. you know. And when our kids are going to leave at some point, I mean, that, that's another way to think about it is thinking far out. When Drew is 18 or whatever and goes off to school, and a lot of our speaking's overseas and kids are going away at 12, they're going to boarding school or something, they have a shorter time frame. But what do I want her to do? Well, I want her to be part of this family. I want her to know how to use money. I want her to feel like she's always connected. And I want her to have these values because actually when I'm not there with her as her parent, mm-hmm. what will protect her? Her values. We were just talking about That's that what will protect her. It's about protection. If you know me, you know I love cereal. Our whole family does. And growing up, cereal was one of the best parts of being a kid. But now that I'm older, I know it's important to watch out for empty carbs and extra sugar. So I took a little break there from eating so much cereal. But now I've tried Magic Spoon. And Magic Spoon has classic flavors and the crunch you love. But it has way less sugar and it's high in protein. We love Magic Spoon in the East household. I always get the variety pack. It has four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. This pack has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and four to five grams of net carbs with only 140 calories per serving. It's high protein, has zero grams of sugar. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. It's pretty wild to think a cereal can be high in protein and low-carb and still taste delicious, but it does. I love eating a bowl of the fruity flavor after a workout for some extra protein, and Sean here loves the cocoa flavor as a snack before bed. We think everyone should try Magic Spoon and taste the difference themselves. Go to magicspoon.com slash eastfam to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code eastfam at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee, so if you don't like it for any reason... They'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, start the new year off right with a delicious bowl of high-protein cereal at magicspoon.com slash eastfam. And use our code eastfam to save $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. Everyone knows that finding the perfect t-shirt with, like, the quality and the fit is near impossible. I told you guys that I found Skims while I was pregnant, and now postpartum, I found the best nursing bra known to mankind from Skims. Well, they've outdone themselves again because they now have the perfect t-shirt, especially postpartum with a changing body. I can guarantee you, you won't find a t-shirt like it. I love also that Skims has a fit for everyone from the long t-shirts to the cropped. They truly have like sizes and qualities and styles for every single thing you could want. So the cotton jersey t-shirt is the one that I'm talking about. It is an absolute staple. I feel like I'm reaching for it literally every day, especially nursing with bear. It's breathable and soft, and it somehow gets even softer and still holds its shape after every wash. If I could only recommend two of the Skims t-shirts, I would say the cotton jersey t-shirt, which I have in mineral, or the boyfriend t-shirt, literally in any color, are probably my two favorite t-shirts that they make. Shop the Skims t-shirt shop at skims.com. Now available in sizes extra, extra small to 4X. After you place your order, select podcast in the drop-down menu, select couple things to let them know we sent you. Have a good one. We were in a wedding this weekend, and when the father of the bride got up to speak, the thing that hit me the most was he said, I told you every day of your life that I would love you and protect you, but I realized at some point I cannot protect you anymore, and I've just hoped that I've done enough. And he went on to say, like, I I feel like I have done enough looking at the man you've chosen Uh, because he exemplifies, like, everything that I've, I've 
taught you and asked for. And it was it was really special. Beautiful. But I gave that whole concept of I hope I can teach you enough in those 18 years to set you up so that you are protected by by us in a sense. But And I bet if you broke those down and thought through that with him, what he'd say he taught that he felt would protect them mm -hmm. would be those basic values like self-reliance and self-discipline. Mm -hmm. I'm not around, but you're taking those things with you. Yeah, yeah. I love the idea of starting with the end in mind. We actually uh, heard about the exercise of writing your own obituary. Yeah, and Sean and I actually for the first time had just thought about that. But it's we set goals in every area of life, whether it be fitness or business or like travel and where you want to go. And it's like, you want to do it for family, but sometimes it's a little hard. It's a little difficult to, cause you're like, well, I want a strong family. Okay. I want to be close with my sibling, but it's like, what's the mechanism I'm actually getting there is kind of the, the trick, you know, mm -hmm. but. Well, I'm going to tell you something I didn't have any thought of saying today when we walked in here, but you, you've just put that so well, that question. When we think of goals, I'm a Harvard Business School guy, right? I mean, I think casual quanti flex, I think casual quantitatively. <laughs> how did I slip that right in? Uh -huh, yeah. <laughs> but but I th my goals are always quantitative, right? And they're and they're measurable. Like if I want to get here, then then in six months I got to be here, and so on. Doesn't work with relationships, right? I can't say I want a hundred percent perfect relationship with Linda in five years so after one year it better be 20 i mean mm -hmm. it, you can't do it right so what we try to teach people and this is beautiful with children it's actually easier to do with children than with adults is write a little description in words of how you want your relationship to be with drew in two years mm -hmm. now you're thinking wow drew's five mm -hmm. what does she look like now what does she think now what and it's all it's your imagination it's a creative process well i think She'll probably be sort of like this and like this. Now, how are we going to relate? How much trust is going to be there? Maybe you describe in words, and don't worry about the writing because no one's going to see this but you. It's just for your, it's your document. We, we're talking, and Drew says this, and I say this, and she smiles, and I can tell she trusts me. And You're just trying to create a picture in your mind of a relationship in two years. Mm -hmm. And that becomes like a magnet. You find oh yourself gosh. doing. Now see, most most goals are all about numbers and measurements and so on. This is the same thing. It's all a goal is, is a clear picture of where you want to be at a certain time, the begin with the end in mind. Only to have a relationship, it, it's in words instead of numbers and it's descriptive. Mm -hmm. And it's not exact because you don't know scary to try to think of drew at five you just wow what'll but it makes you start thinking in the future and that starts guiding what you do on the every that's day so true it's so true we had i had a mentor who I, i've i've written goals every year of my life but he was like hey write me uh, a journal entry five years from now Ooh, like of it. what your day looks like so it's like all right, I woke up at 5 a.m. and I and I did a 45-minute workout oh. and then I had, you know, this l exact thing for breakfast, yeah. right? I had like a smoothie with fruit and whatever. Oh, my goodness. And then I kissed my wife and I brought her a cup of coffee to wake her up. And it's like you actually picture this in your mind and I'm not like, wow, this this will like, you know, the more you think about it or put it out, you know, people say put it out into the universe. It's like, I'm not into that, but there is something to be said about. Oh, there's something <laughs> like it just forces you to absolutely. think in a new way. And, and, you know, a lot of people will say, well, we'll outline this for them. We'll, we do this in speaking sometime and we give them the whole 
template and format. And the main objection is, I don't want to do that because I'll make it sound so perfect and then I'll get there and it won't be and I'll feel like a failure. I'm like, that's how any goal is. Any time you set a goal, you're kind of putting yourself out there and you're risking that you won't get there. But the question to ask is, will I be closer to there than mm. I would have been if I'd never set it? Preach. We talked about, I don't know how the context of it came up, but we said we feel like this year is a pivotal year for us, just like with our business and having two kids and we're talking about trying for another kid and like all of these things. So I felt like goals were really important because we had done really well. And I said, I told Andrew, I was like, I feel like our life has completely changed since we started doing goals because before goals, I felt aimless in life. I didn't know when I woke up in the morning what to work for. I didn't know why to go to work, why I was doing what I was doing. And as soon as we started writing it down, whether we achieved it or not, right. yeah. we were starting very like in, um, intentionally going down a road that we wanted to go down. Yeah. Instead yeah. of finding ourselves five years down the road being like, how did we end up here and why are we here? Exactly. And so well said. And the oh. amazing thing is we've done this with groups of big groups and audience. We've said, just write down, and usually around this time of year, because everyone's thinking about it mm -hmm. at the start of the year. Write down just one goal you have for the next year, and then we'll collect them and look at them. Guess what percentage of them have anything to do with family? Mm. Like zero. I mean, a few scattered, but they're all about finances or money or career or projections because that's how people think of goals. Mm -hmm. And yet when you ask those same people, right, what's your highest priority, your work or your family? Oh, my family. Mm -hmm. Well, why don't you have any goals there? Because I don't know how to set goals for families, mm -hmm. you know. Well, that's what we're all about is getting proactive and strategic with our families. And someone challenged me. They said, what if you were as strategic in your marriage and parenting as yeah. you are in business? Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, the amount of planning I do for business versus the amount of planning I do for my marriage, like the business far outweighs. Oh, that yeah. so. Well, you went to school and studied that for years to yeah. figure out how to do it. We don't have that kind of school for parents. We should. Yeah, <laughs> we, should we should. We should. So. The only school that I'm aware of is like, you know, literature like you guys have put out there, which is what's so amazing and, and why we're happy to have you on the show. And, and we're going to change amplify. that, though, with a course. Yeah. We'll that's have, the we'll beginning have a of school. school. Yeah. That's, that's the goal. But I'm curious, Linda, what of all you've done, accomplished, written, what would you say is the one thing you're most proud of, though, as you reflect? As I reflect, I think the fact that my kids are my best friends. I adore my kids, I, every one of them. We have such a fun relationship, and I'm so grateful for the Internet. You know, there <laughs> so there's so many bad things like, get, in, get up. Oh, my goodness, WhatsApp. We watched our son run the, the New York Marathon last Sunday. The whole family was on, like, hooray, hooray. I mean, wow. everybody was there, and he was actually talking to us as he was going. That's wow. amazing. WhatsApp and so on. Uh, our girls go away one, once a year together. Our daughters and daughters-in-law, and mm -hmm. they're fabulous. We're f they're four of each. And Don't tell them what you call that group. It's pretty cool. Oh, well, we started out the Mothers and Future Mothers of Iron Realms. Mm -hmm. because this is all her daughters all and her daughters-in-law, so there's 10 of them. And, and then, boy, are they um, a group, I'll tell you. It is really, really fantastic to have that. And we'd go someplace really fun, and, and then we had that memory as well as, and then we read a book before we go so we can talk about it. Honestly, I feel like our children and my husband are my best friends. I just, they give me so much. They just make my life so rich and so full. Mm -hmm. And I think p 
part of that is because they're willing to do it, but part of it is because, you know, we planned some things and we that was the plan and somehow it worked out this way. What about you, Richard? Beautiful. Well, I'll just piggyback a little on that. We, uh, me and my my sons and sons-in-law went halibut fishing in Alaska the year before we went scuba diving in Cozumel. I mean, we do things together, and we call it the, the, the fathers and future fathers <laughs> of IRL. And we talk a lot about family while we're there. I mean, we, we and, and they're brutally honest. They're like, you know, I'll tell you the worst idea you ever had, Dad, and we're not going to do it in our family. I mean, but I, I just love the candor and the openness, and it's not perfect. We've got worries among our adult kids. Always but, worries. But what you day. need to, what, what young parents like you guys need to realize is what you're doing right now with this intentional, deliberate, sort of proactive parenting, you're building you're not only doing that to raise great kids and to have them maximize their chance to be happy. It sounds funny to say, but you're, you're doing it for yourself in your older years. You're building a legacy and a kingdom, if you will. That's a funny word, but scriptures talk about families as a kingdom ultimately. And you're building toward that thing so that they'll always be there, you know? And the, the worst thing in the world, I shouldn't reveal my prejudices like this, but we, we spend a lot of time in the Southwest. And when you see these communities that are adult communities and no kids are allowed and you just go there to play golf and sort mm -hmm. of wind down your life and die, that's the most depressing place mm -hmm. in the world. Right. You know, It's integrated families that stay together and that help each other. That's I do. I do have to say that I think that our faith has made a huge difference yeah. in our family too. Yeah. We're Christians, and we all love Jesus Christ and try to do our very best to follow Him and do better and be better all the time. But we also have spent a lot of time in the Muslim world and the Hindu world mm -hmm. and uh, Saudi Arabia, and there's so many loyal, dedicated people. But I feel like they have a step up because they have something beyond themselves mm -hmm. because the, of the faith that they have. What, no matter what the faith is, but yeah. we do have that in common in our family. And I do have to add that probably my best thing is that this partner right here. Um, honestly, I would I would just be out on the street. Especially probably. on Sundays <laughs> after we've worked out all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought of what she just said. Have you ever thought of that this what, way? The, that you're what? the best part of her life? You yeah, no, that? no, that's, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I, I knew that one, no. <laughs> Um, we've been talking a lot about traditions and we're thinking of things like holidays and birthdays and so on, but I never made that connection. Linda just said, often it's our faith tradition, mm -hmm. whatever that might be, you know, whether it's mm -hmm. Jewish or Muslim or Hindu or Christian, those, those really are tradi Those are the powerful traditions. Mm -hmm. And I think people, uh, even if they're not particularly religious, they, if they really examine themselves their deepest traditions have something to do with the spirit. Mm -hmm. They have something to do with prayer or with telling each other about their faith or their or, or their good experiences they've had or just the humility of feeling like I can't do this all by myself. I need some help. That's a that's a tradition. Mm -hmm. Oh, and it's it's so amazing because back to the internet for a minute. About two months ago, our grandson uh, we got a message on WhatsApp. Isaac has just fallen 
out of the sky. He was paragliding. He's stuck on a rock. They are life flight is on their its life way. flighting is on its way. Everybody get on your knees and pray. Mm. And everybody, I mean, that's not all fifty six, fifty seven, but you know, a little too small. All, all of the adults <laughs> in the family got that so fast and everybody was on their knees praying for him. And actually he came out all right. I mean, he fractured a little bit in his neck and there is no way he wow. should have wow. survived that. Yeah. And so, you know, it is really, really a huge thing that pulls us all together. Yeah. A couple of things that come to mind. One, the uh, you saying that your husband and kids give you so much. It's like not saying anything new that the best things in life are the intangibles. But, like, mm-hmm. it is, it's, it's such a, um, I feel like, uneven scales when you talk about the difficult things in parenting or marriage where it's like, man, the, the baby kept us up all night. We didn't sleep at all. Mm-hmm. Or man, my wife doesn't let me do this anymore. <laughs> Whatever. These are all just hypothetical. <laughs> no, right? yeah, I mean, but it's like, it all the time. but the, the benefits of like, you know, when you're uh, fishing for halibut with your son who you've seen grow from a, yeah, baby. From a baby. Oh, just, it's the greatest. Dude, thing. I just think about Drew when she like does something by herself that yeah. I don't tell her. I'm like, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. And it you is. just drew a circle. So much. It is so hard to describe, though. It's hard to describe. It's It really is. It's so well, amazing. Well, we, again, not to get into social commentary, but we, we, Linda and I, we're trying to decide whether we want to write something about this, but we see the world moving more and more to where we also give lip service. We say, oh, the family's the basic unit of society, mm-hmm. you know, and always has been, always will be. But you watch what's happening and the individuals becoming more and more the basic unit of society. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing more and more young people say, you know what? My family's not healthy for me anymore. I don't feel good when I'm around them, so I'm going to cut them off. I mean, it's this awful thing, and they're not aware of what they're actually doing. But it's because, hey, they're not nourishing me. I'm better off if I don't have to react with them anymore. One in five Americans have, quote, learn a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off your list with Babbel. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Plus, Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Andrew and I have been learning Spanish on Babbel, and it's been so fun. We've wanted to learn a new language for so long and have finally started. We've learned how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants, all without having to consult language apps, which is so cool. It's crazy how fast your brain picks up a new language when it's presented in a relatable way. Plus, Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you to improve your pronunciation and accent. Babbel has over 10 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash eastfam. Again, get 60% off at babbel.com slash eastfam, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash eastfam. Rules and restrictions may apply. Are you frustrated with buying your kids' clothes and having them grow out of them literally within a week? 
I know I am, then you need to check out Posh Peanut. I love this brand. Their clothes are amazing quality and made from viscose from bamboo. So they stretch with your kid as they grow and are four times stretchier than cotton. They have different designs you can pick from, like Barbie, Flowers, Disney, and Hot Wheels. So we let our kids pick out which ones they wanted. And of course, Drew picked the pattern with Disney princesses. Oh, yes. She loves her Disney princess pajamas. Plus, I swear their clothes get even softer the more you wash them, which usually doesn't happen with kids' clothes. I also love that their clothes are chemical-free, which means they're delicate enough for babies with sensitive skin, which is something we've been paying attention to for Bear. Posh Peanut is made for infants and kids, but they also have sizes for moms and dads if you want the whole family to match. Let's be honest, every family has done a matching moment. And if you're not a parent, consider this a perfect gift idea. For real, you guys. We love this brand, and they're loved by over a million parents. Check them out. Right now, Posh Peanut is offering our listeners 20% off your first order with promo code EASTFAM. Go to poshpeanut.com slash EASTFAM and use promo code EASTFAM for 20% off your first order. I'm like, wow. Everything when the individual's the basic unit, it goes toward what? Selfishness and competition and win-lose and what's good for me. And when it's about family, even though it's messy and it's hard and we're all worried about things, where is it taking you? Responsibility, sacrifice, caring. Contribution. Loving, contribution, everything. They're like opposite directions. So thank goodness for people like you who even, and frankly, I'm going to say something. I think Linda will agree. You two have figured out a lot more than we had at your age. (laughs) I'm serious about that. We were in our mid to late 30s before we started really grasping this proactive, strategic, deliberate, intentional approach to parenting. Was that so last year? That's off it, to you guys. The late 30s was like last year. Uh, yeah. You guys, <laughs> you're you. way ahead of the curve. And, we, and you're doing a lot for others who are trying to be there. We have a lot of phenomenal mentors around us. <clears throat> yeah, um, but we are so thrilled to see you, you guys where you are at this point in life saying, come on, sit down and write some goals. Get this, get this together oh, now man. because there's so many that are just not knowing exactly how, what to do or how to do it. In fact, I, and I, again, I'm, we're talking too much. I want to hear more <laughs> of your questions, well. but, I, but I have to because I'm, this is, we, we don't think what you're doing and what we've been trying to do all these years, <clears throat> yeah, there's a lot of how-tos and there's a lot of prescriptive stuff, but the real goal, <clears throat> we have it in this little mission statement that we have, and it would apply probably better to you than it would to us. We're trying to popularize parenting. We're trying to celebrate commitment. We're trying to validate values. Mm-hmm. We want to make those things. We want to. We want parents to say, "I'm missing out if I don't get in on that." Mm-hmm. They're having some joy, and Sean and Andrew are having a life experience that I want. I want to emulate that. That and and once they say that. They're in good shape. They'll yeah. find the stuff. They'll find the how-tos. They yeah. just got to make that commitment. Well, I mean, I feel like before interviewing you guys, I told Andrew I was like, good for one more kid, and then I'm done. I think we might have to go for nine. <laughs> go <Going> nine. <laughs> <Yeah>. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Oh, oh man, we had both so the kids fun. giggling last night. Our <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> we had both the kids giggling last night. Uh, I had them on the couch. I was oh, resting them, and they were oh, giggling. I was like, laughing. we're going to have a million kids. We will have kids. Because when you have moments like that, you're like, it is oh, yeah. that's, so that's full the, the of joy. But those moments, you know, oh, are not always every day. But it is so 
joyful to yeah. have those little children and watch them grow and yeah. develop. And we can just mm-hmm. see the love in your eyes. Yeah. We can see the love in their eyes and your pictures downstairs. Uh, well, I want to thank you for the time during this interview. For those listening that want to learn more about Richard and Linda and what they're up to, we'll link information down below, including a link to the course that they put together to give you a toolbox for how you can uh, have a strong family life. These three steps to a strong family that, that Richard alluded to, um, how you can create family values and traditions. What I think is, uh, in one way, the most difficult thing to talk about it because it's so ambiguous and hard to pin down, but also the most important thing as we think about raising our kids and having a fulfilling life. And I'll close with just saying that the the fun thing that I've found about getting old is like, it's, it's like <laughs> at 30, at 31, it's like uh, to, to the closest comparison is like compounding interest with finances, right? Where it's like, wow, you don't, you have a hundred dollars today, but if you wait and invest that in 10 years, you'll have, Seven hundred dollars or whatever, and it's like the same principle applies. And the sooner you start, the investor. A hundred percent. So, you know, I I was praying with Jet last night. I was like, "Hey, bud, like, gonna need patience. This is my first time being a dad to a son." And it's like, the more wisdom we can get from you all who have done it well, uh, and the sooner we can do that, the better. So, anyway, thank you for sharing the wisdom, and uh, this has been a treat. Our pleasure. Yeah. All right, real quick for all of those listening out there, we don't ask for a lot of favors, I don't think, babe, do we? No. But we're going to ask you a favor today, all right? If you're listening to Couple Things Podcasts on Apple Podcasts specifically, will you please do us this short, quick favor? We want to make sure you're staying up to date with our show, and Apple's latest iOS update has paused downloads for many listeners, and some of you have expressed our latest episodes aren't being recommended to you on Apple Podcasts anymore. So here's how to make sure you're getting your episode. And again, this is for Apple Podcasts specifically. Open up that podcast app on your iPhone. Search Couple Things and tap Our Shows icon. And then in the top right corner, you might see a plus follow symbol. If you do, tap it to resume following the show. If you get a prompt to, quote, turn on automatic downloads, say yes. That way... You'll get all of the episodes. Thank you so much, guys. We're so glad this update was brought to our attention because we want to make sure we're reaching as many of you as we can. Love y'all, and we really appreciate you doing this.